0: This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to FubarRadio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Screen Talk. Now I'm going to crack on with this show uh, with a song. I watched the documentary in the last couple of days Supersonic, I'm not an Oasis fan But I really enjoyed the documentary I'm going to chat to James Gill in a sec We're going to talk about rock docs And uh, the ones that we like, the ones that maybe we don't um, But um, even as a non-Oasis fan I really enjoyed this documentary And um, one of the highlights from the film Was this, uh, this little section where Noel talks about How he came about writing this song It is Talk Tonight oasis with uh Talk tonight. Uh, James Gill is with me in the studio. Uh, James is, of course, the magpie of film news and uh, tidbits. Is it, we discussed whether it's tid versus tit, didn't we? And we definitely went with tid. We went with tid. Um, J- James, you've seen Su- Supersonic, the Oasis documentary, yeah, and so that song is quite a sad song. Um, yeah, that was from probably my favourite anecdote of the um, of the documentary, where uh, Noel, after a disastrous gig in LA, their First attempt at cracking America.
2: And crack is the right word. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, that is what they I were. didn't
1: realise they were quite that, doing quite that, so much they, crack. They was it? It was meth, wasn't it? Yeah, they, it, was, were doing, it was they were doing. They sh- were doing shitloads of meth. Uh, the show went terribly. Liam got a bit angry, which is unlike Liam. And the whole show was a disaster. They've got footage of how bad it was. I've never going. seen that before. No, me neither. And I didn't know
2: that that incident happened. And, and then, then Noel, the, Noel just did, disappears to did San, the off. San Francisco. Yeah, stays with a girl. And writes writes a modern masterpiece One of the best songs Now, I'm not a huge
1: Oasis fan In fact, I'd even go as far to say I sort of dislike them I mean, I like some of their songs You know, Noel Gallagher's written some great songs But I've just always had a problem with Liam Gallagher I I can't buy into a frontman that sings like he wants to fight you That's just not a style I've ever really been into Um... But this stock I, I love rock docs Anyway though like, Even with bands I'm not that into I still enjoy Seeing the journey The You know All the sort of um, The successes The highs The lows All that sort of stuff um, But it didn't change My opinion of Liam Gallagher At all
2: Okay um, well, well, I would say that while uh, the rest of the British public back in the nineties and nineties were loving Oasis, you and I were obviously loving Pearl Jam. So we we, well, had, different, no, we did, had different. I did. I did love text.
1: this. I did love the Britpop scene as well. Oh, really? So okay. I liked both. I was, I was into. You know, I've always been someone that's liked every style of music. I'm a huge Blur fan. Um, I
2: think you look like a Blur fan. Do I? Yeah. Um, I hope not a compliment, <laughs> no,
1: but I, you know I like bands that know how to evolve and
2: change and sure. try new yeah, things yeah, yeah.
1: and not just sort of plot out the same thing all the Sorry. time and um and I think they 're clever and and you look at damon 's output outside of um i was going to say oasis, <laughs> which is still true um, <laughs> When you look at his output outside of blur he is i mean I think the man 's somewhat of a genius, yeah, you know everything up. he does yeah. is a is either a creative or commercial success yeah, on a massive. And, you know, the documentary about Blur when they got back together was so heartwarming and so beautiful. And I don't know if you saw the Stone Roses one that Shane Meadows, uh, Well, you, you weren't into this scene, but they, um, there again, the Stone Roses one was so wonderful. There's a scene where they first rehearsed together, the four of them back together after, like, 20 something years and i wanted to cry they play waterfall and it's like i was a grown man that was like this is a, you know bringing me yeah, back yeah. to my youth but with um i didn't have any of that kind of attachment with oasis
2: but i still really enjoy it i mean there's nothing better than watching a good rock doc wouldn't you say i, I thought it was terrific I, I enjoyed it a great deal it, it was tinged with sadness um and i say that on behalf of i don't know their mom i don't know them but for their mom it is heartbreaking that her two sons mm don't get on I mean that seems to is, be what
1: the film was really about really was the is, fact is, that is these two brothers about
2: relationship between, yeah. between two brothers
1: and um I, I find Noel an intriguing guy I'd love to interview him I think there's something about him where he's really clever and sensitive and you know got a really interesting outlook and 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 he's a talented songwriter but there is also fire in but the bay, there's yeah. that
2: there's yeah. that you know that angst and um I think I've, I'm intrigued by him I really am I didn't realize that he's I don't think this is a criticism, but I didn't realise that his ego was as voracious as it perhaps is until I watched that documentary, yeah. and that re- that, I felt that came, a, that but, came across. But
1: also, there reasons for getting into music. He was always this slight, sort of slightly geeky guy playing his guitar, and Liam hated bands and music, and then sure. one day went, I want to be in a band,
2: and it all seems so for the when, wrong when he, reason. He banged his head, didn't he? He got his yeah. head banged in a, in a fight, and that sort of like changed his but, outlook. Um, but it is it is weird. There was, for years, I used to think, did they
1: deliberately... Because they broke up around the time that Blur got back together. And they, I was like, have they seen just how amazing that, um, you know, re, what do you call it? A get re, Reunion. Re, reunion, there's the word I was looking for. Um, have they seen how successful that was and how much people have taken them back into their hearts and gone, maybe we need to break up and then get back together. I mean, that, that, but watching this documentary, I definitely like, no, this is a real... T- you know, um, angsty, turbulent relationship with two brothers, and uh
2: I mean, I mean, the film finishes at um, it finishes at the Edgeworth gigs, yeah. and, I, and it actually left me wanting more. I want, I want another documentary because I want to know what happened yeah. when they went to America, and they were they were they were could have possibly cracked America, and Liam decided that he wanted to buy a house and left America there and then. I think even at the airport, really, yeah, and I they have to that. do their America gigs without their front man, and so Noel had to obviously do all the singing. And that sort of cost them That cost them the US in a way Well that's the other so, thing There's so, so I many actually, stories I still to tell I
1: prefer Noel's voice to Liam's I never got the I just Oh I never love Liam I love the snarl and the swagger. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely never, It doesn't You know It all just sounds too much Like a John Lennon impression to me I
2: mean and it is You know
1: But, but I don't know That's just my taste but, but, I like I do like when Noel sings their songs more than when, it, when
2: he does. It's more soulful, I hope I isn't don't it? bump into Liam because he'd probably headbutt me. Um, there's every a, there's a chance. But <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you on the music doc I'm a sucker for a music yeah. doc. Well, have you got some favourites? Yeah, so I would say uh, there's a documentary called Dig, mm-hmm. which is joyous. Please check it out. It's all about the friendship and then bitter rivalry between the dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that the, the Jonestown Massacre were tipped for great things. But, I mean, if you think Oasis have got on ego... I mean, just check these guys out. And what happened was the Dandy Warhols exploded and became the, this global mega group. They're very popular over here in the US, in Australia. And then meanwhile, the Jones Ch- Jonestown Massacre just imploded with drugs, with onstage fights. I mean, if you think that LA scene in the Oasis yeah, yeah, is, is it, I mean, it is incredible, but this there's a scrap <laughs> that you can't believe is happening. They invite a load of industry down. I mean, this happens early on. I'm not really spoiling anything. They invite a load of industry down for this potential career-making gig mm-hmm. and I end up having a full-blown punch-up on stage. I mean, it, if it could go wrong, it goes wrong, but that's a really... And I watched that on an aeroplane and uh, have you found that a- uh, airlines now show movies that you can't quite believe they show on yeah, airplanes? Yeah, one hundred percent. Like um, flight, or... flight is on there. <laughs> what uh! uh, What are but, you thinking? But anyway, check out, check out, dig. That's that's terrific. Um, Running down a dream, the Tom Petty doc. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to check that out. And then a recent one, uh, the Ron Howard uh, directed or produced Eight Days a Week about the Beatles, yeah. and that is purely about their touring years. And yep. I tell you what, I mean. There's a, there's a long-running gag in this country that Ringo Starr can't play the drums, which is nonsense, absolute yeah. gibberish. Watch the documentary. Ringo Starr doesn't play the drums; he attacks them. It is phenomenal. Well, you know, have you, oh, he's so good. The way he just pounds these drums. There's I
1: got, a there's a clip on YouTube if you can find it. Just type Ringo Starr drumming, um, Dave Grohl, or uh, you know. Um, just type that I'm sure it will come up But it's like All contemporary ju- drummers And they're just saying this And they're guy. all talking And they're all like Trying They've got his kit In front of them uh, And they're all talking About his style And that there's no one else
2: Live on air I'm getting pro you Ringo are, Goosebumps are. Check that pro out Pro Ringo
1: um, they, they, t- they, they literally do his swing And his sort of late uh, rhythm He does have this swinging yeah, arm That's right Because he's left handed And um, it, it just By the end of it You're like Ringo's
2: the greatest drummer That's ever yeah, lived yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder why That is a thing though But know, um, but I, I got to interview on Howard about that documentary, we talked about Ringo and uh, how modest the Beatles are as well. Because any other band, given what they achieved, would be a lot more forthcoming. Mm-hmm. But they, the the Beatles could never quite explain what it was about them that made them so special because they're such modest. Humble guys, mm. but uh, that's out on home ends now, and I would strongly recommend that eight, eight days a week.
1: My some of my favourite um, rock docs. You or have documentaries, Anvil on there. Uh, of course anvils on there, oh, my which God. is taking the slightly more like comedic, um, but, you also, know, but, but also but also heart melting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean the most the, probably the most heart melting one of, of recent years is Searching for Sugarman. to the extent where you can't believe. It's, it's real yeah, no well i didn't know, and i'm I a sh- have i'm a clue. I'm, ash- I'm ashamed to say this as a music fan i didn't know about uh about him about rodriguez no and I again watched this on a plane, and we all know that planes have they just make a good film even better what And is bad that film's it's true watchable so true i don't know what it is so, but it's um, a new <laughs> podcast oh <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. true films on planes <laughs> uh i do you know what <laughs> I'm so pleased I didn't know about The artist in the Searching for Sugarman and almost think If you do know about it The film kind of doesn't, I mean it's still probably Enjoyable but surely it doesn't work To the same extent because when the moment Comes when the big reveal I was just I was like nudging the stranger Next to me on the plane going can you believe this (laughs) This can't be real Um I uh, some other ones I love. There was a uh, three-part documentary on the BBC uh, called "The Complete History of Hip Hop," which is amazing. Even if you're not a hip hop fan, it is—it's just fascinating to see that they can trace back to even the building that hip hop began really? in. Really? Yeah, because you know it began in the Bronx, and there was a very specific. Uh, area right. where people started, you know, putting turntables together and break dancing and stuff, and it's and it's a, and just how it took a, how, how long it took to take over the mainstream and stuff. Um, that's a really good one. Um, Wh- where can we watch that? Is that on iPlayer or something? I don't know. Actually, there's another one that was on iPlayer that I don't know where you'd get hold of a, a documentary about two Scottish kids who pretended to be American in order to sort of um, make their
2: uh, whole outfit more authentic or more real. And those kids grew up to be. The Proclaimers. The Proclaimers. A you know, the big be.
1: hip-hop group that we... Uh,
2: <laughs> no, and they,
1: they, they ran with this. They got a record deal. They, re- they released music, oh, rapping wow. in American... But then they had to start going to meetings and things and keep up the American Ooh. accent. It's a brilliant documentary. Again, I can't remember what it's Very called. Nice. Uh, Sound City, have you seen that? No. That's a great... Uh, Dave Grohl produced yeah. and fronted about all the amazing albums that were recorded in this uh, studio in...
2: LA. Well, one that you That's would love, and I'm sure you must would have seen, is uh, Pearl Jam 20, the documentary oh, yeah, about uh, Pearl Jam. Only a few times. And the most beautiful thing about that is that it's it's actually a. Uh, the reason why the ending isn't great is because they end up as a very happy band. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, but they went through some. Not many bands they have had people die at their concerts and things yeah. like that. You know. But then, like, the last third is basically yeah. everything's fine. Yeah, everything's they're good, they're good now. now but it's,
1: it's a lesson in, like, playing the long game and not chasing the quick fix fame and all that 100%. stuff. 100%. Um, what else? Like, there's a Fleetwood Mac documentary. I mean, if you want something with all the great drama documentary of, like, cocaine and effects, they've all drugs, basically fucked it. Each other, have, yeah. That's the crazy yeah. thing, and they're all in love with each other, and yeah. it's like, and yet they still play. It's so cool. Um I just want there to be a Millie Vanilli documentary.
2: Oh, we do one, aren't we? That's a great. Hang on a second. Directed yeah. by Mr. Dan Clark. There you go. I'll be You're all over that, it. and the Oscar goes. Because it's tragic as well. Because one of tragic. them died, I think. One of them and, died. Yeah, they both depression. It's a phenomenal background. story. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And with, story. with all due respect, I mean, obviously those two carried the can, but there were people behind that yeah, that maneuver that machine um that that, and this that has Academy Award written all over it. Millie Vanilli documentary and Girl, you know it's true. Girl, you know it's true. And that came out. I mean, my world changed forever. Baby, don't forget my number. And I tell you what. I mean, I'm doing it now. I'm dancing now. But the the, the moves that they were rocking were. I yeah. Mean, they're not the only. I mean, for God's. Sake, I mean, the. I mean, I think I can say this without getting sued. I mean, the monkeys weren't always playing their instruments. And yeah, but I think I don't think I think it's different to. I mean, you, all right. I mean, no, that was. I know, know Millie Vanilli was a mass hoodwink. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, what I. Am saying is that i mean actually it, te- it takes me to another documentary 20 feet from stardom oh beautiful which is pure yeah, yeah. shivers yeah, yeah, that's uh, good. but i mean that is another example of so that's a that's a documentary about all the um the great backing singers, great backing singers whose vocals were were used yeah. because there were such Profoundly well, the, talented singers, and then they were the, those vocals were then given to bands who couldn't sing a lick, and so these backing singers who didn't have much money would hear their vocals being played on the radio under the name of another band. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't a million miles well, the away woman, from
1: the woman that sang on all the sort of uh, Motown Christmas records. That's right. And really sad. But the, when they play the Stones, um, is it oh, painted? It, no, it's not painted it black. Is it? It's
2: it's just a shadow. Yeah, way. yeah.
1: They that is just Give the any shelter. The f-
2: it's it's just remarkable when it they when it's they very play that isn't and it?
1: how amazing a performance and
2: I doubt she got paid is it, other than a studio fee or something. Who's the who's the very famous singer who she couldn't make money from singing, had to become a cleaner and was singing while she was cleaning, and the whoever owned the house said, "Oh, you sound like is it, was it Martha?" it might three. be i can't remember i mean but i mean, that. But I mean that, yeah, just cool. some amazing stories but that, that's that's i think that's on netflix that's awesome
1: yeah well rock docs they're great when when they're good they're great so uh, have you got any film news for us
2: this week yes I'd so love i don't it if you went, no i would let <laughs> down we're, we're too close we're, we're in you too deep let right down. now <laughs> i would never let you down so i would li- i'd like to talk about arrival which um I, I given it's november i think i can safely say this that that for me is the I don't like it when Robbie Savage says for me, but I've just done it. Yeah. For me, Gary, that is the film of the year. I think it's a, a wonderful film, and if you haven't seen it, please go see Arrival. Don't you so, hate it when people say it's the film of the year when it's like March? Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, well, Come okay. on, <laughs> mate, give, me, give the year a chance. Um, so the, uh, this is a classic example of, you know, the actors are all very good in it. And it's a great, but this is this is a triumph of storytelling, and that mm-hmm. director Denis Villeneuve. If you could, is that how you pronounce it? It's how I'm pronouncing it. It's definitely. It. Um, it's definitely okay. I, I'm going with as in Jacques Villeneuve. Yeah. And what about his first name? Is it Denis? I, I think it might be. You know, I mean, I, I want to sing Blondie, but I yeah. can't. <laughs> um, so Denis Villeneuve. Um, yeah. If you could buy shares in a director, you would stick your house yeah. on this guy. Um, oh, I love. I love the way you speak. Sometimes. Thanks for yeah. inviting. I, I'm so passionate about yeah. this guy. Can you so, buy
1: chairs in a direct? No, you can't. No, you no, absolutely no, cannot. But, but, if you, but if you could. Yeah.
2: Then I would. Trump will bring that. In. Well, his next movie is the is the Blade Runner sequel. Yeah. And I'll tell you what... So it's in safe
1: hands. Look, not only, Prisoners... I'll
2: tell you what, mate, it's not only in, in safe hands, they're lucky to have him. Yeah, Prisoners. Yes. Sicario. Yes. Arrival, which I've not seen yet, but everyone's raving about. I, I would about. say Arrival, I is, his be, this is, this Arrival is. is his best movie. Really? And it's all about... I'm not, I, won't, I don't want to spot. What I would say as well is, so I'm trying not to talk about the storyline. Mm. I would. I would urge you not to read reviews, because some reviewers do end up being a bit spoilerish with a, a little turn of phrase and it gives too much away. So all I would say is it's, it's a it's a beautiful film. It's about life itself. Don't be put off by the fact that it's about what if aliens visit Earth. That is merely a jumping off point. Okay. It's, it's a Oh, film well, that's, that's good to know because when I saw the trailer I was a bit like well we've seen that film like a hundred times. So, so for example my wife as soon as anything is fantastical she is and good yeah, night yeah. I am out yeah, but yeah. in this instance you'll be doing yourself a disservice. I think this will be remembered. Don't get me
1: wrong I like an alien landing on Earth story. I, I know you do how many like contact? I think is a really underrated movie. Do you know it? The, I do know uh, it. Robert, it isn't yeah. and I and I love the ending for a as reason.
2: Well. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, so I would say this is a film that stays with you, and I think in years to come, this will be remembered as a, a modern masterpiece. Okay. Now, the fir- the film it's knocking off the top spot for me this year is Hell or High Water, which I again uh, adore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Arrival, uh, you know, if I could give it five popcorns out of five, then I would do. So that would be my. Oh, yeah. If you got, if you got, and a, it came out this, uh, it came.
1: Friday Friday, Friday, Friday just yeah, gone. Yeah.
2: So uh, if you've got twelve or fifteen pounds burning a hole in your pocket, go see Arrival this weekend. Okay,
1: it's, is everywhere now. Twelve or fifteen pounds.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Even pretty- outside of the, you go to the West End. It's like you buy two tickets and it's like fifty quid it's or something. It's insane. Yeah.
2: The lettering West End. If you take your missus... Sorry, I've turned into a a husband from the 1950s there. (laughs) i (laughs) not the old Bourne and Chang. If you take your your loved one uh, to a film, you are staring down the barrel of 50 sheets in central London. Okay, what else have you got? Uh, so Gavin O'Connor Who I think is a, a Director of considerable talent I really enjoyed The Accountant The Accountant and What else has he done? Uh, Warrior Which is also well worth yeah. watch And yeah. he is taking on The Green Hornet Now as you know I am Captain Positive And don't like to say anything negative You say that every week And, and then, then say, say something, something horrendous <laughs> The thing about me Is I'm really positive But I hate the following things No um, I, I thought that was I, I thought that was A real misfire For, for Seth Rogen The 2011 mm-hmm. Green Hornet
1: I think I don't think you're alone In thinking that though, I know but you? I
2: really wanted to like it, and, and my, the bee in my bonnet with those guys is is bad improv and, and it 's an assumption that hey we 're so hilarious if we improv our way through it it 'll be a masterpiece, and there are some scenes in that film that i 'm not i mean i, I can 't prove it but let 's just say they smack of Bad improv, and I mean, I, I really did not like that movie at all. But I do think Gavin O'Connor. I think the account, the accountant, is such a, a, a muscular, and action-packed movie with a with substance that I do think that he's probably the right guy for the Green Hornet because okay. it tends to be a dark. I think it, it, this will be a, a darker take on it rather than the. the the attempted chuckle fest that that Robin went for. Well, they went for a more
1: sort of Batman TV series, you know, like the 60s Batman series type Now, I I don't
2: think Kato has been cast yet, but uh, Iko Uwe from the the Raid movies, Mm -hmm. I mean, why that guy isn't one of the biggest movie stars on the planet? Have you you seen Raid 1 or 2? I haven't, no. Oh my, Uh, you've seen it, my friend, haven't you? I mean, you'll watch those films and you'll think, why is this guy not, uh, why, I mean, that guy should be like the new Jackie Chan. Mm -hmm. He's he's a, a Profound talent Talking of which When martial arts Are done well though Do you not think It's just like Oh yeah
1: absolutely It's, a
2: bit, it's almost Spiritual uplifting like thing
1: You can see He got uh, an honorary Oscar this week Didn't he uh, Jackie Chan Deserves it Yeah it's always, It always feels a bit what isn't you know like and it's not quite winning, is it? It's more
2: like. Well, I tell you what, you say that. Have you ever seen the YouTube clip of Charlie Chaplin yeah. receiving his? But I mean, th- you know, that's because it has all the weight and the complicated of the co- history the communism. and all that. Yeah. So, I tell you what, listener, go on. If you've not seen that, go on YouTube. I think we've talked about this before, haven't we? What the Charlie Chaplin yeah. one? I don't think we have. Right. Well, you know the fr- you know you hear people say use the phrase "bravo." Yeah. But I've never oh, actually maybe
1: you have. Maybe yeah. I have. But yeah, it, this yeah. is
2: an example of people actually quite literally <laughs> screaming "bravo" for Chaplin. and yeah. It's uh, it's it's very special. Oh. But like Hitchcock never it's never bra- won an Oscar but got an honorary yeah, Oscar, yeah, which
1: is like insane to me
2: because it is insane. You know, but- uh, Cary Grant never won an Oscar. Oh. Paul Carrie. It's for another show, this isn't yeah. it? Yeah, we're going. We well, we've sort of run out of time, I'm afraid, my friend. Do, do we have very quickly the time for the Kong mm. Skull Island? Oh, uh,
1: gone then. Yeah, quickly, because even I'm, I was blown away by this.
2: So it starts off very moody, almost it's apocalypse post you know, I'm not sure everyone can keep up with your train of thought here. So James. it's uh, <laughs> you sound like my wife. <laughs> so uh, set, this one is set in the 1970s. <laughs> no, what is it you're
1: talking? You just, Kong yeah, Skull Island. Yeah, Scott, okay, right. Maybe I'm the one that's. Oh, no, uh, I'm, right. deaf, I'm
2: deaf. We are like a married couple. <laughs> Um, Kong's gone. It's set in the 1970s. The trailer starts off, feels very 70s. Tom Hiddleston, I think, is rocking a, a, a deliberately a Steve McQueen in the Great Escape look because the blue he wears is the exact same blue. It's a very specific blue that Virgil Hilts wears in the Great Escapes. That's my Anorak. Okay. That's my spotter's badge, okay? And then it's, it starts off very serious, and there's Kong on the island, and you think, well, this looks very serious. And then John C. Riley appears. And, I, and this is not an insult, because it made me laugh. And he looks like he's been choppered in from a different movie.
1: Choppered, though, so Quite, still there's I, a I thing. I mean, there's a theme there. Yeah.
2: But he's playing, for, he's playing it for gags, and it's, it's a wonderful trailer. So it sort of takes this tonal shift once Riley appears. Yeah. Um, so I tell you what, I mean, I went from thinking... of, I mean, that film, it was on my radar, but now it's... I must say, that trailer's done its job, because that's become, like, must-see. Well, I think just
1: the blending of um, a Kong film set in the Vietnam era is a really interesting... Mm. And, and to sh- kind of shoot it a bit like it looks from that time as well. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. Well, James, thank you so much. God bless you, my friend. Um, we have a brilliant guest coming up. This is um, a wonderful actor, comedian, writer. His name's Greg McHugh. You will, of course, know him from his creation and um, appearances as Gary Tank Commander. Uh, Howard in uh, uh, Channel 4's Fresh Meat. And, of course, of course, everyone remembers him as Charlie Babbitt in How Not to Live Your Life. Um, he I mean, has that picked- was the role...
2: <laughs> that was the
1: role. He has picked uh, a couple of songs. This is his first song. It's a beautiful piece. Um, I think we call it Theme de Camille. Um, and it appears in the film uh, Casino. He's coming right up. James, thank you very thanks, much. Thanks, mate. Greg. Hi. Thanks for depressing us <laughs> with that <laughs> know, piece of music. I I going to yeah. A really... Sometimes a piece of music Especially classical Or a piece of score yeah. can You know It goes in different journeys So you, you always listen To the first half of it And think Oh it's this big rousing And then it just sort
0: of Trails off into this Kind of sombre Low
2: beat Yeah
1: when, when beat. you
0: When you go in touch Saying can you choose A piece of music From a film I just thought Well I'll choose Just a nice piece of music From yeah. a film I really like From Casino uh, But now that I've just listened to it That was a massive mistake <laughs> um, Really massive mistake there, is, there
1: are no mistakes On this
0: show there Why I, did you pick it though? What is it about it you love? Is it the film Or the Scorsese? music? He uses pieces of music that are just a bit left field and a bit odd. Mm. So rather than reinforcing the point like all the time with kind of music that you think would instantly suit that scene, um, he uses this kind of mesmeric classical piece of music at the end of something about Vegas. It's the least bit of Vegas music yeah, you can yeah. possibly have. But I just found that every time I listen to it it's very moving and it's in contrast to like the high impact violence yeah. of the film itself. So there you go. That's I have well, not I right. have not seen casino in so long. Oh I'm so excited to, that you've not seen it for ages. Because then you can go back and watch it and it watch a piece. Is it the opening shot is like one continuous shot for like I think it's two and a half minutes through the casino itself um, and <laughs> apt. Um it is it's beautiful. I'm excited. When are you gonna watch it?
1: Um, um, well, what are you doing after this?
0: Well, it's about three and a half hours long. <laughs> um, oh,
1: yeah, we haven't got time. Um, <laughs> the th- I just remember when it came out that people were like, "Oh, it's a bit like Godf- uh, Goodfellas in a casino," and but b- maybe having time away from it, it might it might be fair to rewatch it. And... Well,
0: well, I mean, it's got <coughs> Joe Pesci and uh, Otta. Uh, oh no, really? It's not in casino no. and uh, De Niro. But so in that respect, I mean, it's You're a little bit
1: killing each other. Well, I'm are, wearing suits. But yeah, that's no.
0: It's still it's still brilliant. Yeah, it's it. brilliant.
1: Um, I'd like to. Uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to. Thanks. Thanks very much for coming in. You're Greg. welcome. You thanks for having me,
0: guys.
1: <laughs> Cheers. So uh, look, um, huge congratulations on the success of Gary Tank Commander. Thanks. Man. Now you have just played, haven't
0: you? At some massive venues. We just played the Hydro in Glasgow. Yeah, to ten thousand people a night, which was slightly how many nights? We did three nights of that. So it was that's incredible. Nuts. Yeah, it was. It was. It was bizarre, and if people can see my uh, highlights and my hair, that's, that's, that's from the sure show, not, not a decision, although I quite like them, if I'm being honest. Um, and also, so- really, you create the character f- as an excuse to be able <laughs> <a laughs> to dress like that, right? Just to dress like that. Yeah. Uh, just to get the army uniform on. Yeah, that was uh, 16, 17 months in the making.
1: Uh, really? Well, that's a long time, isn't
0: it? Well, from the decision made that we were going to do it mm. till the actual show, um, and a lot happened in between that time as well. So... It was it was mammoth in every respect.
1: What happened there? You d- you smiled like there was a story in your mind oh, there. Man. That it's, it's like what's come on? What do you need? To it's get been off a few t- months.
0: Basically, when we committed to the show, uh, I just had a baby, which was oh no, we hadn't even had a baby yet. So it was, that was that was a bit of a pressure. And then we put the show on sale. It sold okay, but didn't sell out every single night instantly. Mm-hmm kind of thing so we knew where there was going to be a lot of work to do in terms of promoing the show etc cetera, etc cetera. and then I broke my ankle very badly in March of this year a double break tibia fibia, dislocated it big operation etc etc with only six months to go to the live show did so, you, you did you change the dates? No. No? We had to keep the dates. So the pressure was on for me to recover from the ankle and write the show whilst in plaster. How do you... And l- promo the show.
1: How do you, like, sort of accelerate recovery of a broken... Like, were you just, like, going, just do nothing. I'm still doing too much. Well, Less. there was a
0: phase of... Yeah, you can only do nothing for three months or let it recover. And then I had an amazing help of the NHS in Brighton a team who just uh, helped me out so much You were like a, like an athlete weren't you I was You needed to get ready for your <laughs> big event Do you know what I had to and then just before the show I went to see the consultant that had done the operation and he said yeah you've snapped one of the pins in your ankle that holds the main uh, juncture between the, the two bones foot. yeah in my foot yeah, yeah I'm going to get really <laughs> medically complicated here so I knew it was snapped so I didn't know what effect that was going to have what? on the live show so uh, it's just been a bit of a time Anyway the shows went very well The crowds were fantastic And we did it
1: How did you At what point did you know That uh, that, that creation was As big Big enough to sell out such big We didn't like, <laughs> Genuinely so you went, we like, didn't What's the biggest venue we can book And
0: they're like Well, well let's wait and see If you can sell them. Nope I want the biggest Well this, this is This is what happened Mick Perrin and I Mick Perrin the producer mm. who uh, Lovely had, Mick Perrin Lovely Mick yeah. Perrin who had produced Gary Tankamander ten years previous when I was doing 50 Seater in the Gilded Balloon not even (laughs) remotely selling that (laughs) decided that he would produce this show in the Hydro the Hydro said, do you know what, I think this will sell Mick wasn't sure, I wasn't sure we put the tickets out, it sold well, but it hadn't been on TV for three years so it was kind of bonkers, but in the end it kind of with a lot of hard work paid off, I think.
1: And it's one of those weird things that I hope you don't mind, I I hope hope you feel like this is fair to say that... That I hate it. That I hate it.
0: And um,
1: you're cool with that? Yeah, No, um, (laughs) that I... There's this weird thing that happens sometimes with Scottish comedy that can be a huge phenomenon Mm. in Scotland. And it can still be, like, it still does well in England, but, like, the disparity between how popular, like... Things like still game it's like it's popular down here, but it's I mean, massive. Could, we
0: could get into this conversation yeah. in terms of what 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 you'll probably find with when Gary came down to BBC Three was that BBC Three didn't promote it okay. or wouldn't trail it or wouldn't support it or wasn't interested in it. Still Game had very little support. Uh, they've had more support this time round. So these Scottish shows that are a weird phenomenon in Scotland are actually often <laughs> a, a kind of... I, t- I sense a little bit like a little, you're a bit offended by this, the phrase weird. I think it's an odd conversation to have because actually this, this kind of conversation of what is Scottish comedy, mm. what is English comedy, mm-hmm. um, it's like there are two different worlds. There aren't. There are different ways that shows are supported, produced encouraged yeah, yeah. and when one is started in Scotland and one is started in England where there is uh, execs and people behind the show, what you can often find is these shows in Scotland are separated when they shouldn't be they should just be
1: So do you, you feel sure. like it almost feels no different to if the show had been created in somewhere in Europe and we're like oh we will just it's an acquisition we'll just put it on somewhere or
0: well yeah for Gary though I'm not speaking on behalf of other shows because I don't I don't know their background but at that time and bear in mind this was years ago Mm -hmm. was that it was just it was put on very late at night and then they put two episodes out back to back to kind of get rid of it as quickly as it (laughs) could Um, and that's absolutely is that what
1: they did they told me when they did that to me it was uh, because they really believed in it ah right Uh, yeah yeah we're going to do a double bill
0: for three weeks because we love it so much (laughs) what time slot 1am oh yes jackpot Um, however that was years ago and we we still had a following that allowed us to do these live shows which is the main point which Mm -hmm. is uh, phenomenal and uh, totally surreal but I'm just very proud that I think we we got to. We so, I mean, it's,
1: it's, I'm glad you said that because I feel like sometimes we down here feel like that it's just some. Like we don't always see the um, the mechanics behind how BBC Scotland, BBC England. Well, it's not even yeah. called. It, it's just BBC. It's, it's which, BBC Network, yeah.
0: but, but um, effectively it, c- it can
1: be. A but sometimes yeah. to us it looks like it's like oh, it's because you know, they get it more or something like that. But it's, it's not,
0: it's just... Well, it's I mean, some people would argue, yes, Scottish people have the better sense of humour, so it, kinda, <laughs> it works better up there. But no, you're right. I mean, you, you could go on for days about how the commissioning process works. And, I'm going and, to. And some of that. <laughs> Yeah, I know. This is, a, this is an eight-hour show, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the bottom line is, I think funny is funny. Yeah. Do you think funny is funny, or do you think the Scots have a different sense of humour to the English?
1: No, I think there's a thing that happens with all the, like... Um, Celtic uh countries that and you know anywhere outside of the M25 really where people yeah. really get behind homegrown talent whether it's in comedy or music or politics or whatever people mm. there's a much more of a sense of pride that yeah we love this and they recognize it in themselves and yes. you know like uh obviously we mentioned Steel game and um but even like uh, kevin bridges you mm-hmm. know there's a real like the people love when they see one of their own doing it uh so well yeah. uh, that doesn't take away from the the skill and the brilliance of the show but i think that happens you you know not that i've watched an x-factor in years but it was a common thing that people absolutely behind yeah. the you know irish and welsh and scottish people just got so much support they from do i think
0: there's a, a definite uh pride and local support that you, that you have in scotland that is very special yeah um, um i did experience that at those live shows it was quite phenomenal
1: do you do uh the show uh around the country
0: no. um no, no we, we are de- <laughs> we did de- those three nights almost killed me uh, i was very happy with how they went and i'd I think touring it, uh, i never say never, but no, I'm very happy. Did you
1: enjoy the moment? Because I always feel like some of the best, let me rephrase it, some of the biggest gigs I did where I should have
0: gone, this is amazing, drink this in, I can barely remember that it happened. Do you know, I did try to on the final night. There was certainly a couple of points where I did look out and and try to soak it up. You can't ever properly do that because you're Mm -hmm. playing the scene or you're just thinking about what's coming next, or you're staring at the person in the front row who's not laughing. And uh, <laughs> that, that always gets in the way Even a little bit. Even one person out of 10,000 <laughs> can yeah. fuck you you're off, sh- can't you're it? You're still gutted. <laughs> you're still gutted, aren't you? <laughs> what, can, what can I do um, what can I do to win you all over? I know, it's so pathetic, isn't it? It is it's so pathetic. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I did as best as I could to to enjoy it. Yeah. I love the um,
1: political stuff you did, the um, interviewing the politicians and. Oh, yeah, we snuck that in with a broken ankle. That was good fun. Yeah, that was great. And Mm. um, it's it's weird when you think of a character that was sort of not really political, in, in like, not in a front footed way. Yeah. Uh, to, that can actually sort of somehow house that kind of conversation. Um, did you get nervous talking to... Because I've never seen you do that kind of comedy before. You've been much more like characters and you used to do stand-up, right? Yeah, I used yeah. to do
0: stand-up, but never particularly good at it, but mainly kind of acting background. So, the, yeah, I suppose the interesting thing about Gary was that he's the confident fool, isn't he? So anything he says, he thinks he, he knows far more than the yeah, person yeah. opposite you. So if you get in a politician who is you know, relatively, well not relatively, but completely versed in their own politics and the kind of wider uh, societal, uh, you know, set-ups, but you get them speaking to someone who thinks that they know better than them. That is yeah. quite an interesting mix. Yeah, yeah. Because, But they know, were all
1: quite good. They were all like clever. You had clever people that didn't mm. really necessarily warrant taking the piss out of as much. I'd like to see you with some people that... You know, deserve a little bit more of a hard time, you know. Because I like Nicola Sturgeon and uh, even the, I I forget her name, the Conservative uh, Scottish Finn. You know, like she seems relatively normal. Do you know what I mean
0: for a politician? I think they were all relatively normal, but of course in the edit, we got together the best bits of what they said. I mean, a few of them. You couldn't use twenty five the first 25 minutes. Really? It was impenetrable. Some of them were stranger <laughs> than Gary to speak to. And then we just had to keep moving on to try and get little snippets. So, uh, to be quite honest with you, the edit was incredibly kind to a couple of them. Yeah. Whereas most of what they were saying was absolute gobbledygook political, just monotone what dribble. Is,
1: what is that? Why you know like we're seeing it with Ed Balls now right mm. everyone suddenly loves Ed Balls because he's making a fool of himself on national tv
0: yeah, this is classic you know. british behavior yeah. yeah
1: but you know look at donald trump what's happened there he was like uh, it's like <laughs> the, when they're doing their talk they're like rehearsed speak people yeah. just don't like that but it's so hard like and to use the same word to penetrate through that veneer
0: like it I'm is, dis- but that was our main goal with this show. The, yeah. the goal wasn't really to take the piss out of them, and make them look awful, because actually that'd be a lot easier. Yeah. The goal was just to try and get them to break a little bit to see who they were. Okay. And I think, I think we did it with um, pretty much all of them, for good or for bad, is mm-hmm. that everyone had a moment, even if it was a spontaneous laugh where you got to see you know, Nicola Sturgeon spontaneously laugh, because you can always tell, as you say, this veneer, this veneer. Um, I think the slight difference between people. <laughs> having slight umbrage with Trump and then loving Ed Balls, um, is that Trump is a buffoon who's about to run America, or as Ed Balls is dancing about a bit on a a show.
1: um, But he might come back, and then will people actually go, well, you know, I liked him on Strictly, so maybe I will vote for him. I think they probably will. I mean, he's certainly nowhere near the problem that we're going to face with Trump, but, you know...
0: No, but I suppose it's that humanising element, isn't it? That, that, that love him or hate him, I'd, I'd hope that everyone hates him, but Trump has, has used a rhetoric and a language that people I hope none of my
1: g- listeners love him.
0: I, I, yeah. do, you, do you think any of them do? I've I mean, maybe. i a few closet Trumpers. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm
1: not sure, I think closet Trumper means something else, but oh, um, oh, I yeah. don't know. Uh, would you... Uh, OK, here's a question for you. Yeah. What would Gary Tank Commander ask um, Donald Trump? And by the way, I haven't, I haven't. It hasn't gone unnoticed that there are some physical similarities between the two of you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not you, Greg, but yeah. uh, Gary. Well, there's the orange skin, the orange skin, the yeah. um, blonde, the fake blonde hair,
0: the fake blonde hair. Do you, do you think Gary is secretly aspiring to be Donald Trump? Is I think so. In a way, that's terrifying. What yeah. would Gary ask? We did approach him, by the way, for an interview. No, tried, you didn't. Yeah, we did. Really? We tried to get him. Yeah, because he was going to be over at Turnbury at yeah. um, his hotel. Was but this he when, when he did the, oh, I'm, you know, well done for Brexit and all that, when he yeah, did that trip, yeah. But he wouldn't see anyone, he wouldn't see yeah. most of it, in fact, I don't think he saw any of the press here, but we did try and get him. Um, what would I ask Donald Trump, just as Gary, I'd be like, what are you all about? Like, <laughs> who are you, Donald? Donny, I think he would call him Donny. 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 Is he, is he really half Scottish? I don't know. I think he's got. Is his family from Harris or something? The Isle. Oh, (laughs) by
1: the way, I don't want to forget this. Because, you know, just because I knew you, I thought I should still, like, do a bit of, like, just looking up stuff about you, just in case there's some amazing thing about you that I didn't know about. And it turns out there is. And I couldn't believe they put this on uh, Wikipedia. So there's all stuff about, you know, shows you've been in and where you grew up. And then there's just this one little fact at the very end of your Wikipedia page. That says, McHugh's, mo- accent, McHugh's mother's accent is a softer variation of the Edinburgh accent. That's just not true. But why is that relevant? <laughs> Who wrote that? About my mum.
0: <laughs> Isn't that weird? My mum's from Dundee. Okay, well, that's probably why. It's a totally different accent. I mean, what state is someone in uh, to go and write that I'm on I'm the Wikipedia page? I'm like, why? See, that'll be my brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got to be someone that has met your,
1: you and your mum, right? I think so, yeah. Isn't that that's but someone scary someone met it? me.
0: I've said something. Then my mum said something, and they went, Can you Ooh. excuse me a minute? <laughs> <laughs> I just need to do something. Yeah. Oh, that wow. is the most. Out of all the things I thought go you were going to say, that's it. not it. Yeah,
1: that was. It's. Um, that wasn't it oh, well. so uh, would you like to do more political stuff because I think now more than ever it's, it's mm. a juicy ripe time to do political comedy and we don't seem to be doing as much as in America would you if the BBC or someone approached you and said can you do more of this would you would that be something you'd be up
0: for doing What more as Gary
1: yeah, or or as a different character yourself or whatever. Like, did is did you get at all a bit of a buzz from doing that and thinking, oh, I, I now want to take on the establishment?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like did. like just like that. yeah. Um, <clears throat> yes, no, I think if there was another opportunity to speak to like maybe some global figures and uh, as Gary, that'd be interesting. Certainly, personally. Would I like to go and interview Theresa May? No. did Cameron? No. No, not, not massively. My, my background as a, as a performer, writer, isn't hugely yeah. political. I think the thing with the Gary interviews, it just seemed to fit that time. Right, that I liked right about the place. show. Yeah. It was the right time, right place. It all came together very last minute. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that that hadn't been a huge aspiration. It just happened to work. And I'm slightly superstitious about Doing it again, I'm quite mm. proud of that, and I'm, I'm I'm someone who's really happy to move on from projects once I'm pleased with them.
1: Well, talking of moving on from projects, you uh, you finished on Fresh Meat, right? Mm. And that's been that's done. It's definitely not coming back.
0: Definitely not coming back. I think we've graduated. Uh, there was t- kind of talk of a film for ages, but I don't see that as happening. No. I think Sam and Jesse have got their own projects they're very busy and all of us are doing lots of other things. Well as
1: you know, because I think I messaged you after I saw it to say how much I loved your performance in it. It was great. It was really good to see like a proper like character performance Mm. in um and how I was wondering how much of that was you and what was in the script. Uh
0: you know I'll never forget reading that first script, episode one, when my agent sent it through and you know it wasn't an offer, I had to go in and meet them and Everything was on the page really? in terms of how I saw the character. Yeah. I think it's probably the most confident I've ever been going into a room with that character in mind. However, that wasn't replicated from the production side because I had to go and see them another five times. Mm-hmm. But I thought the writing was so brilliant, and this guy was just there on the page that I found that um, transition quite... not Well, yeah, fairly easy because the writing was so strong. And then once the writer started writing for the cast, for me, for, you know, Jack Zowie, Charlotte, Kim, Joe. Keep uh, going. I want all the
1: guest leads uh, as well. Uh, the to, to crew. Gardner, <laughs> uh, and all the
0: crew, all the groups. Um, it, it got better and better and better. Yeah. So each series, I just couldn't wait to open those scripts. And, you know, I've always harped on about it, but it's the quality of writing. Well, you know, you're yeah. a writer-performer. It's like that is what makes characters is the quality of the writer. You can improve on it, mm-hmm. but if it's not there, if it's not on the page, you, it just won't translate.
1: And <clears throat> so, presumably, you loved doing that show and I loved it. Yeah.
0: I love everyone in it. Yeah, uh, This is kind of cliche time we became a bit of a family. Well, we did, and they're some of my best friends now. I see them really often. Uh, in fact, texting with them yesterday is like oh. it's a really genuinely special show. And on set, and in terms of comedy, working with people that are so generous. And genuinely, no one is out for their own thing. It just made the show work. Mm-hmm. So in scenes, you, I'm sure you, we've all worked with people mm-hmm. who are slightly um, on their own, uh, on their own plane, uh, to say the least. Yeah. It, it just becomes a bit of a conflict. Poli- keep it political. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, whereas on that show, I think we just we just reached a point of real friendship, and that helped the comedy.
1: And you must have been very flattered to play a part ten years younger than yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how very dare you? How very yeah. you were the John Travolta uh, of of. Uh, I was the screech from Saved by the Veil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was a massive compliment. I was I was the the, the daddy of the group, and as we got to series four, we did have to confront how old is Howard. Of course, we never <laughs> we never found that out. But look, well, uh, like, here's
1: a compliment. Yeah. I, uh, I I even thought you yeah, actually maybe Craig's much younger than I thought he was. <laughs> Rather than going, I can't believe they cast someone, <laughs> you know, but. Um, yeah no, I think I think you did an amazing job of aging down.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it took no time at all to make up. Yeah. I mean, it helped. You've got uh, had a beard and yeah. uh, and he was meant to James. be a little bit older
1: than everyone else anyway, wasn't he? He was. We yeah.
0: never quite established yeah. his exact age, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think for his kind of setting, setting his own ways. Confident in his own slightly odd world, uh, it suited him being older. So there you go, right? So stop saying I'm yeah. really old.
1: All oh, right, sorry, sorry, oh, sorry about that. You're not. You're a beautiful young man. <laughs> uh, so um, what have you got coming up? What exciting things uh, in the spring? Or, in March, or not? all boring things?
0: If that's well, all that's the, the best boring thing that's happening at the moment is I'm, I'm not working until. Uh, I kind of want to go back to work. I've got an operation my ankle, again, Mm -hmm. uh, end of November. That's going to take a few weeks to get over that. And then uh, series two of The A Word, a drama I did for the BBC, we shoot that at the end of March. Remind
1: Uh, me about The A Word, because that is uh, um, something, sorry, I haven't seen. The A Word
0: is centred around a young boy who is diagnosed with autism and how it affects the family, the ripples of this diagnosis. And I play his uncle, Eddie, and Lee Ingleby, and Morvan Christie play his mum and dad and Chris Eccleston plays my dad in it and mm-hmm. um, Vanita Robson plays my wife and anyway so it's just how the ripples of the diagnosis affect yeah, yeah. the family and then we all have our own kind of storylines
1: Yeah, uh, my my uh, brother's youngest son is autistic and you know they do such an amazing job mm. um, it's really something that I, I, I feel like I feel like an awful human being sometimes because I'm like, I just don't know how I would cope with that. and It well, makes you feel helpless because it's such a difficult thing It's an incredibly difficult
0: thing, but I tell you what Pete Bowker, the writer, is, again, writing, writing, writing has done brilliantly, is that it's light and shade mm-hmm. so it's a, as, as you'll know, it's a very difficult subject area but Pete has just written the realities of dark humour, of light humour, of just relationships and how this rippling effect means that you can't actually live in a perpetual state of Darkness and depression yep. or Difficulty is like in any of this you you Have to have these lighter moments so that Show again mm. is just a lovely mix of Some great gags but also A kind of serious mm-hmm. tone. So you start shooting that next Next March. Next March. And Brilliant. before that, I'm just happy to just drinking and eating for the next couple of months. Drinking, eating, being merry, recovering from the ankle, and then you know, if there was a big, say, X-Men came about in January for a yeah. few weeks, something like that. Okay, so big Hollywood blockbuster. I'd do that. For Brian a few weeks. Singer, if you're listening, Brian, um, he's Brian. around. Big Brian. You've
1: seen him in Fresh Meat. He can play mutants.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <I can't>, whoa.
1: <laughs> I'll take that. I'll yeah. You good, good. Um So, uh, well, just quickly before we go into your guilty mm. pleasure, I also oh, must. That I loved your Edinburgh show from like I don't know eight nine years ago, uh, Will and Greg. Oh, thank you. I loved that show so much, and it always saddened me that you and Will never did like more of that. You know, I'd love to see more. Do you know what? Thought you two were really good together. That
0: year we did a pilot that Channel Four didn't pick up in the end, and Will and I loved. That's the most fun I've ever had in Edinburgh in my life. Yeah, it was. I did. You mean during the festival, not? Oh no. Ever. I, well no, yeah, I mean during the festival, yeah. yeah. Everything else is tinged with severe sadness, and yeah, yeah. I've got to say. But that show wasn't because it was such a joyous thing and Will and I had kind of written so hard on that show and reached a really fun place, is it we did a pilot, didn't get picked up in the end, and meanwhile went do we want to keep Doing this, keep doing this, and we decided just to go and do our own things for a while, but we're still really good pals. um, Well, yeah, it was just for
1: me, even if it's just for me. I spoke to Will the other week and I said, We've got to do a show for Dan Clark.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I said I'd be well off for doing another sketch show, but. um,
1: Well, listen, we've got to do this really quickly because we've run out of time. (laughs) I could have chatted to you for ages, for for the next eight hours, which the show will be. Um, (laughs) But uh, so just very quickly, I'm sorry we've run out of time a bit here, but your guilty pleasure,
0: why don't you tell everyone what you picked? My guilty pleasure, although it shouldn't be guilty, but kind of is a Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Not the remake.
1: Not the remake. That would be... A- not just a guilty pleasure, but a sinful... That pl- would be a sinful... See, I actually liked the idea of a remake of um, Total Recall, because I Did think you? it's such a good story, and such a good... It is. And that you could do a sort of Blade Runner, Minority Report version of
0: it. That's a really good point. Yeah. You could. But, but then didn't. those sets, no. those sets what? in the original Total Recall, I mean, would you want to? Would you want to muck about with Arnie's eyes almost popping out, oh and, the, and the cardboard cut-out background?
1: And the ridiculous um, one-liners,
0: and the the... Bizarre body count of people that die. Incredible. through Incredible! It. <laughs> it's just an incredible film, start to finish, and the one-liners are phenomenal. Do you think? Um, have you watched it recently? Do you think I it have, holds yeah. up? I think it not only does it hold up; it gets better with each viewing. Really? It's it's a phenomenal film because it is. But you know, somewhere inside you,
1: that it's not a very good film. Is that what you're saying, or I, I, part, part of
0: me understands? That there are better films. Okay, okay that's a good there, way of there, putting it. <laughs> there yeah, are yeah. better films, technically, if you're going to break it r- down. To watch every day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to watch every day for an eternity. <laughs> However, there's something about the charisma, I think in all the main parts in that film. Yeah. It's Sharon Stone and... Uh, Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox. Um, who's the... Um,
1: oh, what's his name? He's got a brilliant name. The, uh, his sort uh, of hench- main henchman Yes, who I does that role yeah. in so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I can't what is his name.
0: name? Oh god. Uh, we'll have to <laughs> anyway, it's it's a it's a brilliant film and it's a great story.
1: Yeah. It's a brilliant and I I remember when it came out being so annoyed that they um that they put a spoiler, which there wasn't a word at the time, in the trailer, which Did was they? when he walk- the woman walks through customs and then the head sort of splits
0: apart and it's Arnie underneath. You remember two that?
1: Two weeks. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. <laughs> Go on. My brother met her in Edinburgh, or claimed no to way. meet her at a bus stop at the Edinburgh Festival, and he came back to the house and said, oh, my God, I've just said, I've just seen the lady who says two weeks. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? Total Recall? She was at the bus stop. And I said, Stephen, you're, you're you're going crazy. And he looked her up, and the actress who did that bit was at a show? No. Um, yeah, in the And did her face split up? down the middle <laughs> it did when she got on the bus and went single <laughs> single what and then it, all, then it all kicked off ok well
1: look that's, uh, I think it's a great choice and it sort of got me a bit excited about watching it again um, now uh, your last of the two uh, songs okay, it's another
0: mistake I'm yeah. sorry
1: what? what are you talking about uh, it, oh yeah it's, it's it's not as buoyant
0: as no, some of them I've chosen to I think because I was just thinking of films and, and songs that I've, have
1: well, you wanted to pick. This is from the film Highlander, which yeah. you wanted to pick as your guilty pleasure. But sadly, we had that like two weeks ago. Yeah, um, and it is a good choice. But uh, this is from that film. It's Queen who wants to live together. Together. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, do you know, no, you know that yeah. Flash Air yeah. song? Yeah. The Flash Air yeah. song that Mercury did, the first draft.
1: I think this was going to work, Freddie. Oh, man, we got, the, I think we're onto something there. <laughs>
0: yeah?
1: We uh, we'll, we record this just for a sitcom. Okay, well, this is Who Wants to Live Who Forever. Who
0: wants to live together?
1: And that's not Freddie. That is actually Greg Steele. Greg, it's been such a delight talking to you. Thanks, um, enjoy, a enjoy your time off. And um, uh, um, I'll see you in another six or so years, yeah? Oh, sooner. Okay, sooner.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on
2: iTunes.